Welcome back, Milsos. If you've been following along with me thus far, you know that I just had a baby in January, and he was the baby New Year for 2023. And I have been taking the last couple of months off to recover and adjust to life with two babies under two years old. And I just wanted to say thank you for your patience as I slowly record and edit the rest of season one. And if you're new here, welcome! I am so happy to have you, and I can't wait to share a little bit more about my experiences with you today as a Milso. Today's episode is going to talk about our first duty station and what to know before you come on base. Before my soldier went active duty, uh, we were living it up in Southern California, and there was always something to do. Um, We were fresh college grads, and Disneyland was right down the street, and there were conventions and museums and concerts and sporting events and beaches and gosh, just endless restaurants, like all of the food was in LA. And on top of that, whenever my husband Eric was gone, I never really felt alone because I had, you know, friends that I'd made in the area and coworkers from where I was working. And so whenever he was gone, I always had them to fall back on. So I was never alone. And I think all of this kind of set me up to have a major culture shock when we finally arrived at his first duty station when he went active duty, which was Fort Drum, New York. And if you've been there, you know it's the literal polar opposite of LA. Literally, if you look at a map to Southern California to Northern New York, I went from basically the border of Mexico up to the border of Canada. And so weather-wise, it was shocking. It was absolutely cold and snowy most of the year, not to mention that there were very few things to do when we were there. And that was also really weird coming from LA. And whatever there was to do, if it was outside, The weather forecast usually made most of those events sound very unfun (laughs) because it was so cold Um, and I just wasn't used to that. So all this to say that my experience at drum with the nothing to do and the having basically no human connection whenever Eric was gone made it really hard for me. And then on top of it, my mom had gotten sick with cancer and she was on the other side of the country in Oregon. And so that made it even more another layer of difficulty. So I was lucky that I was able to fly home to visit her for long periods of time. Um, But filling the time that I was at home, that felt really strange to me because I was, again, so used to having my planner packed with things to do. So I tried getting a job, but that felt, you know, it felt a little meaningless after being in California and really pursuing my dream career there. So this led to me feeling deflated and isolated. Have you had this experience in your Milso journey? If you have, or if you're about to head off to your first duty station, here are three things that I found helpful when transitioning to my new life in the military. Number one, practice gratitude. Number two, tap into your moxie. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a second. And number three, get informed. 
I just realized I should have named this whole podcast Lindsay's List for Milsos or something because I make lists all the time. I love lists. This is how my brain works. So here we go. Number one, practice gratitude. I know this sounds kind of boring, but study after study has found that people who regularly practice gratitude experience more positive emotions. They feel more alive. They sleep better, which was news to me. That seemed strange, but it's true. Um, They experience and express more compassion and kindness, and they have an even stronger immune system, which, again, did not know that, but it's good when you're in the cold weather all the time (laughs) to have a little bit extra protection. So after living in LA, one of the things that I was always thankful for when I was in New York was there was never any traffic in northern New York. And if you've been in Southern California, you know what I'm talking about. They have eight lanes wide of freeway. And it is so hard sometimes to be in that kind of traffic. Um, And so being in northern New York where everything's just a little slower pace and there's hardly any cars on the road, that was a really nice and welcome change for me. So you can look forward to that if you're about to head to Fort Drum. Nobody's on the road. It's very nice. Number two, tap into your moxie. I'm going to take a quick detour here from my tips to talk about something that I know a lot of Milsos struggle with too. Um, After we got to our first duty station, I didn't really feel like myself anymore. I was no longer pursuing the career that I had worked my whole life to get an education for, and I didn't really know anybody in the area. So with no idea what to do next, I spent a lot of time feeling lost and just sorry for myself. I was also, quote unquote, just a girlfriend at this stage in my life, and I knew that the military community didn't really fully recognize me as an extension of my soldier, which basically just compounded all of my insecurities. I didn't recognize myself anymore, and I felt like I didn't belong. So I ended up pouring everything that I had into my relationship because at the end of the day, that was the only thing that I recognized about my life before we went active in the military. As you can imagine, this became extremely unhealthy because all of a sudden I linked my entire self-worth to how happy we were in our relationship. And as anybody knows, relationships have their ups and downs. That's totally normal. But those downs for me felt much more detrimental than ever before because I didn't have something else that was just mine. Needless to say, I started out tackling this military life all wrong, and I hope that by listening to my story, you'll be more likely to highlight, bold, and circle my next tip, which is to tap into your moxie. What I mean by that is don't be afraid to turn your focus inward to use this transition as a time for self-discovery. There's an old saying that you can't truly love someone else until you learn to love yourself. And trust me, it's really hard to love yourself when the wind has just been taken out of your sail and you're not feeling as confident in you as you used to. Until you make this time to reconnect with you, how the heck are you ever going to find your moxie? But Lindsay, this is kind of vague. What am I supposed to do with that advice? (laughs) I know, and that's because there are a lot of ways that you can do this. What really helped me was coming to terms with the fact that I didn't really know what to do with myself, which is as simple as literally taking a minute of your time to stop being in denial, (laughs) 
that that's not a problem and admit to yourself that you would like something to change. So after you have that little conversation with yourself, you can open yourself up to the new life that you have ahead of you and how you want to tackle it. I highly, 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 highly recommend starting with a book called The Desire Map. The book is actually kind of more of a workbook than a reading book, which is part of the reason why I love it so much. It helped me stress less about my to-do lists and my accomplishments that I was making and focus more on what I wanted to feel at that stage in my life. So that mindset shift was just a game changer for me and helped me understand myself way more deeply than I ever did before. When you're done with that workbook, there's another one that you may have already heard of called The Five Love Languages. And there is a military edition, but the original works too. And this book is a workbook for couples to do together to help identify how you express and experience love in your relationship. The sooner that you can understand this, the better you can understand each other and show up better for each other. There's something about the tangibility of a workbook that I just personally loved and being able to really understand myself better, help me feel more confident in myself and really draw on that inner strength, aka moxie again. So if you're feeling a little uprooted and lost right now like I did, I recommend these two books as a way to start feeling like you have your feet back under you again. Number three, get informed. And I know for a lot of you, following this podcast is one of those ways that you're trying to get more informed. And I'm so happy to have you here learning along with me. But there are tons of ways that you can learn more information about the military. And one of those ways is to simply talk to your service member and understand more about their job and what they do and their responsibilities. I know for me, my service member tends to talk a million miles an hour when he gets excited about something. So when I ask questions about the military to him, he always ends up on a long, long tangent, and that tends to be a little overwhelming for me. So if this sounds like you or if your service member is a little busy, don't worry. There's lots of alternatives. One of the best ones is called Military One Source, which is a website with all the resources and all the pages. And because of that, it's kind of hard to know where to start. It's a good and bad thing to have a one-stop shop because if there is an answer to your question, it's probably somewhere on their website, but it's bad because it's kind of hard to navigate, even for me. If you're feeling independent and you want to find answers on your own, I recommend hitting up one source. But if you're like me and would rather talk to somebody live and in person so you can unload all of your questions onto them, I highly recommend attending an orientation. It's the perfect place to do that. These orientations will happen on base. So if you're a spouse already, you'll be able to attend this on your own. But if you're not, you'll need to have your service member tag along most likely. I know for the Army, these orientations are usually once a month at the Soldier Family Readiness Center, or the SFRC. And here at Wachuca, they have a coordinator who runs the whole event. Shout out to Denise. You're amazing. And she brings everyone in the area to come to one place at this meeting room and answer all of your questions in one day. 
For me, these people included the New Parent Support Program, the Army Wellness Center, the Education Center, the USO, all the way through to the local hospital. And for me, that was really cool because when we first got here, I was pregnant with my first baby. So being able to talk to them too at that meeting was really cool because they were not on base. They were just part of the area. So I highly recommend going to these orientations if you can, because it's a great place to start getting to know your area and getting to know your base. Not to mention, you'll probably get a bunch of goodies when you leave. Um, I got a little bag full of pamphlets and maps and information and coupons from local businesses and everything I needed for knowing what's going on on base. So again, if you're looking for a place to start when you first get to an army or a military installation, Go to an orientation. It is a packed day, so I also recommend bringing along a pen or pencil with you to jot down some notes of people's names and who to call and um, any kind of notes that you want to take during the meeting. But it really helped me to feel oriented on my new base and like I was more on top of things. So now you've heard how to personally thrive at your first duty station, but how many of you have never actually been on a military base before? I know I hadn't before I met my soldier, so I remember before I even got to the base being a little nervous, even though I had nothing to be worried about because I was a U.S. citizen, I had no criminal record or anything that could possibly prevent me from getting on base. I think the biggest reason, besides the fact that there were armed guards standing at the entry, was because I simply didn't know what to expect. So in an effort to demystify a typical military base for those of you who have never been, here are my top five things that you should know before you go to a military base for the first time. Again, sorry for the list. It's just the way my brain works. (laughs) Number one, don't rely on GPS. Locate the base's visitor center before you embark on your travel to the base because most of them have multiple gates and visitors are only usually allowed to go through certain ones for the first time. Once you get inside, some of the bases are more well mapped out than others on GPS. So again, try to plan out your route if you know where you want to go before you leave. Number two is about gate etiquette. So I didn't know that this was a thing, but there's a few things you should know just as a courtesy for the people who are gate guards. Number one is to turn off your lights so you don't blind them at night. Number two is to turn your wipers off if it's raining so you don't splash them because likely it's pretty cold there already and they're just standing there so you don't want to add to that coldness. Um, Number three is to remove your sunglasses so they can help verify your face matches your ID. And then the last one is just be prepared with all of the documentation you need so you don't hold up the line of cars that's probably behind you to get in to the base. Okay, the next one is random vehicle inspections or RVIs. This obviously is random. It doesn't happen to every car, but Every car that comes on base is subject to inspection on arrival. So be sure that your car is clear of anything that could be questionable, like drugs or weapons that could be within arm's reach that might trigger them to think that 
you're going to do something bad. Just know that you are subject to a vehicle inspection, so make sure that you're not looking suspicious. Number four is entry requirements. So most military bases, like I said, have multiple gates and each one has armed guards. So to enter a military base, you have to show either a dependent ID card if you're a military spouse or have a military sponsor, aka your service member. And if your base is participating in the Trusted Traveler program, then you may not have to even go to the visitor center um, because your service member will be able to show their ID. And if you're the passenger in the car with them, they are basically claiming you as their responsibility. So you won't need to have anything for yourself. But if you're driving yourself or you're planning on staying for a while, you'll need to go in and get yourself a visitor pass at the visitor center that's just steps outside of the gate. It is free to visit a military base if you're wondering or to get a visitor pass, so don't worry about that. To bring your car on base, be prepared to show your car registration and up-to-date insurance. And since you will be sponsored because you're not a spouse, you'll need to probably have your sponsor come with you to fill out paperwork in addition to the documentation that you'll bring in with you. I know it sounds like a lot, but it's really easy. The gate guards that I've dealt with have all been very nice and patient. So um, try not to stress too much about it. It's one of those things that you kind of get worked up about. But then once you do it, you're like, oh, what was I worried about? (laughs) The last one on my list is bugle calls. If you arrive and people are randomly standing on the side of the road, there may be a bugle call in progress. So what you need to know about that is when it comes to bugle calls, there's only two times of the day that require the family members and civilians to participate. And those times are about 6 a.m. in the morning when Reveille goes off. And Reveille signals the start of the morning roll call and the raising of the American flag. In the evening time, about 5 o'clock, there will be two songs that play back-to-back. The first is called Retreat. And the retreat signals the end of the duty day. And then the second one that plays right after it is called To the Colors. And this one's used to accompany lowering and casing the flag. Military etiquette asks that you honor this time of day by removing headgear if you are wearing it and stand with your right hand over your heart just like you would for the national anthem if it were playing. And if you're outside and you hear this music, you should stop walking or whatever you're doing and face the nearest flagpole. Or if you can't see a flagpole, just face the direction of the music. And if you're driving in a place that's under 25 miles an hour, then you're also asked to please pull over to a safe place, get out of your car, and face the nearest flagpole. Once the music stops, everybody is free to move again, but this is not on every military base, but if you're on a base and this is happening, you'll know what's going on. (laughs) Side note, if you live on base or you're at the commissary inside and you don't hear the bugle call, you don't need to do any of these things. Well, Milsos, if you've made it through that whole list without tuning out or falling asleep, (laughs) that was my high five for you. 
As always, I so appreciate you choosing to spend time with me today to learn together, and I hope that you tune in next week to listen to Taylor Griffith talk about her journey as a MILSO and how she has found that she is so much stronger than she realized. Thanks for listening to the Brave New MILSO podcast. I am genuinely grateful for you and am hoping you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast? Or if you're feeling like spreading a little extra magic today, maybe leave me a rating or a review. All of these things help podcasters out so much. I cannot wait to learn more with you in the next episode. Thanks again for listening to the Brave New Melso podcast.